San Francisco. This is episode four of the Landscape Mode. I am your co-host, Ike DiLorenzo. And I am Justin McGann. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about, uh, what else is there to talk about, KitKat and Google and the sort of interesting marketing that's going on around... Uh, yes, what used to be key lime pie. Yeah. Uh, Microsoft buying Nokia, the sort of incredible buyout. Right, and what that will mean for snake games on your phone and in general the app universe and developers future and the future of mobile uh and then we're going to talk a bit about monetizing apps how people are or are not making money on all these new app marketplaces that have existed or are forming yeah and what how the mentality of people changes what they're willing to pay for. For some reason, you'll pay $1.99 for a piece of software that you download from an app store, but you'll pay much more for it. If you could just put it in a box, people would pay 30 bucks for it. Yes, and you have to like wrench that buck 99 right. out of the person's You pocket. have to give me that trial version <laughs> that does half of what it, the full version does, and if I really like it, I'll give you the and buck si- 99 Since we are in San Francisco, we're gonna wrap up with wearable computing, something that is inescapable here. And we'll describe a bit of that. Yes, Dick Tracy watches. So, uh, KitKat. Uh, it is really, it sounds very bizarre, but initially, you know, if, if uh, for those of us who've lived in other countries, the omnipresence of the KitKat may be one of the few things that actually exceeds the omnipresence of a mobile device. So it may be a good partnership. And that's why Key Lime Pie got nixed, because it wasn't global. Yes, Key Lime Pie apparently is, as some press accounts have said, Google executives said, we discovered, I like this, that they've just discovered they it. discovered, like Christopher Columbus discovered America. Yes, we have discovered that many people around the world do not know what Key Lime Pie tastes like. And instead of taking this as an opportunity to evangelize the amazingness that is Key Lime Pie, they balked and switched to Kit Kat. <clears throat> Right. So and I our, say shame on you. Well, this is a chance for me to brag about how many listeners we have. For our listeners in the 11 countries that are currently listening to this podcast... Nice, just slip it in there. ...who are not a, not familiar with Key Lime Pie will be posting links to recipes uh, for Key Lime Pie. Or if you live in you know other countries where Key Limes are not available, similar small citrus fruits that are green. That's right. It's not a Key Lime Pie unless you get the lime from the Keys. Yeah, I, I uh, in when I was working for a food publication, uh, we wrote recipes for key lime pie, but we had put key lime in quotes and then asterisk with, if you cannot get key limes, you can use Colombian limes, sweet Mexican limes, etc. Yeah, key lime pie, it's fantastic. Anyway, so that got us thinking about, you know, for all of the tech companies out there, and I know that many of our listeners are at tech companies, there's obviously going to be a rush now to associate yourself with candy. Right. And we are trying to figure out what candy, you know, for a company such as ours that is in the mobile cloud space, for all the MBASs and MPASs, for the MEEPs out there. The all the MEEPs. Mobile enterprise application platforms that are out there, uh, and there are so many, what candies could you possibly associate yourself with to be more successful? And also to get free candy. 
that's my primary objective from this. When MoveWeb 4.7 comes out, what candy can we name it after so that we will get boxes of it? I think, um, I mean, my suggestion, and this is more like personal history, but we could hit a very niche market of those people who went to MIT in the late 90s uh, because the Necco wafer factory is just off campus and whatever flavor Necco wafers are being made that day, strawberry was a particularly bad one, clouds of strawberry scent and flavor would waft over that section of campus. Move web, Necco wafers. Yeah, so you could... Just rolls off the tongue. Yeah, <laughs> and there's so many Necco wafers now being sold in that waxy paper. That's right. It really, it says modern cloud offering. Nico, I mean, for for kids who, uh, you know, maybe have a little bit of heartburn, get that anacity. Yes. Yeah, that's true. They're exactly tons. Do you have any other suggestions for, for our cloud, for our MPAS listeners, what candy they might target in their marketing efforts? I mean, I, I just want to target Skittles because I want the free Skittles. Again, this is all about getting free candy. I thought, when I was thinking cloud, I thought cotton candy. But there's no real cotton candy brand out there. Like I, I don't know who makes cotton candy. Vendors at ball games make cotton candy. No, it is like an odd. Like it does seem to fit the the Google Marketplace where the vast majority of apps are sold are free. There's all these metrics about how all the apps sold on Google Play are free, and no one's making any money selling Google Google Play apps, the marketplace now known as Google Play. So you have this image of kids running around with their low-cost Android devices in one pocket and a Kit Kat in the other pocket. Whereas the enterprisey, rich, money-making Apple users are not running around with a Kit Kat. They have an American Express card in the other pocket. Yeah. This, which, the big deal when this was announced is Google wanted to they did their whole story. They did the whole like PR, like when the programmers were developing, they ate a lot of Kit Kats. So we thought, why just why not just name it after Kit Kat? Because we're fun and we're Google. Um, yeah, which, so there's no forethought. It's just totally random mm-hmm. and fun. Because Google is a random fun company. Right. Exactly. Um, and so they were made a big deal to say that no money changed hands because they don't want it to seem like product placement, um, which is understandable. You don't want it to feel like you're, you know, promoting Snapple, although it is delicious, especially that lemon iced tea. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, so they said no, no money changed hands. So they're just going to put the Android logo on like 50 million KitKat bars. The, the Android robot, the green guy, is actually eating a KitKat right. on the label. Andy is not his name, but it's what the people call him. I see. Um, but doesn't it seem logical that, like, it it only makes it, makes the it, Google Play, the name Play, is, it makes it seem less enterprise, more free. It just seems like if they are, they are retrenching in their position as, like, the free game, lower-end phone and marketplace, and just leaving Apple, leaving the enterprise to Apple... In image and in price. Uh, maybe. I mean, it's KitKat. I mean, who's it a better? Who who comes out of this better, Google or or Nestle? I think it's clear that Google does. Really? Yeah, I think it's an advantage for Google. People are going to buy KitKats anyway. Okay. The the only thing Google might get from KitKat is a new ringtone. 
And speaking of ringtones, um, there's a song that I would like to play. So that, I don't know, that may be a ringtone that now we only hear in old episodes of Law & Order when That's someone right. is calling one of the detectives because someone's been murdered. Pulls out that Nokia phone. Yeah, it's, it's sort of an unbelievable deal. In So you have a situation where an executive of Microsoft goes to take over the world's largest phone company. Nokia. Nokia. Goes, flies off to Finland takes over Finland's national treasure and that accounts for 5% of their economy, runs the company into the ground, enters an unholy marriage with his old employer, Microsoft, to supplant what is a wonderful phone, to, to, to like sort of beset this wonderful phone with a horrible Windows operating system. The whole company collapses, and then he has his former employer buy the sort of carcass of Nokia and hire him back to possibly take over Microsoft as CEO. It's just an unbelievably cynical story. It's an incredible reward for bleeding dry. It's unbelievably cynical when you when you tell it with that narrative. <laughs> it seems incredible to me. You didn't. You also didn't mention that it was for seven billion dollars less than Skype, and yeah. half of Nokia's uh, market capitalization. And Nokia pulls in, I, I, I mean, I'll have to defer to people on the business podcast for this, but Nokia pulls in $30 billion a year. How do you buy that for $7 billion? Unless the person who's, unless both the buyer and the buyee are both Microsoft people. Yeah, but they didn't, they didn't get their patents. They just licensed the patents. So Nokia gets to hold on to patents. So they just get them for like 10 years. But... I guess in theory, yes. You don't get all of Microsoft. You don't get like the boots and shoes and rubber goods that they used to make or whatever, two-way phones. I, I remember uh, I was in France in 2010, and people were lined up around the block for this, this fabulous new phone that Nokia came out with called the Nokia N9. And it ran the Mego operating system. It was an absolutely beautiful phone. One of the first phones that you would hold in your hand and say, oh, this is better than my iPhone. I've got to have this thing. And everybody wanted it. They were willing to pay list price for like high 700, like 600-something euros, 700-something bucks. And then this awful... Uh, executive Stephen Elop decided that no one's going to use Mego, that you're going to force people who want this wonderful piece of hardware to have Windows Mobile or Windows operating system on it. Right. Yeah. And, and then far fewer people wanted to buy it. And in fact, when you search, you had to use Bing. It was just this whole Microsoft play. Um, and now it's this is being positioned as Microsoft needs to keep Nokia alive, but I actually I really think it's Microsoft that killed Nokia, at least from like a public like a consumer perception standpoint. Yeah. I could see that. I can also see from Microsoft they are getting the company who has made the only Windows mobile phone uh, uh, Lumia that anyone cares about. Yeah. So and that's something that they haven't done. That's something that Windows hasn't done forever. They've always produced the software for, you know, operating system and then 
HP would make the computer, and they never matched up, where Apple has complete control because they build the operating system for their own phone. Now Windows really has the opportunity to put up or shut up with their their mobile operating system because they can make a phone that is perfectly suited for their operating system. Yeah, and I, I mean, they need that. At last year's build conference here in San Francisco at the Moscone Center, uh, it's just a very somber place. Like, it is not, we have, we have the luxury of having all three of the major mobile developer conferences here in San Francisco. So you have Apple's phone developers, Android's phone developers, and then you have the build conference, which is Google's developers, including mobile. And the, win, the Windows phone development conference this year was just very somber. People were, there's not the parties, there's not the energy, they're just sort of shuffling around from booth to booth. Yeah, whenever, I mean, this, whenever someone builds a Windows phone, I just kind of assume that they have some sort of part, not a a Windows phone app, I just assume they have some sort of partnership with uh, Microsoft. Yeah, they're getting paid off by Microsoft. And there's only, by by some of these accounts, there are 45,000 Windows developers, which is very, very small compared to the other two. Maybe a tenth right. of the developers right. on other platforms. Right. You're building an app for, for iOS or for Android, and then because of this relationship with Microsoft, you're also building you know, yep. this Microsoft phone now, app. If Microsoft can bring some of the, the success they've had with, with hardware like the Xbox, to Nokia and build something good, it, it would be interesting. It'd be a little bit surprising, but it'd be interesting. Again, one of those things that they actually create the hardware and for, and so that's why the Xbox is successful. Yeah, it was a huge success with the Surface tablet. That was... <laughs> oh. So the, it, it's interesting to see how people are making money off all these apps. This is our next time. That was the segue to the next time. Beautiful segue. Thank you. Uh, how are the people are making money from all these apps? Like on Windows, maybe the people are making money because Microsoft pays them bribes to build the apps, but that is not necessarily a revenue model for other marketplaces. Um, there's been a bunch of articles coming out recently in Forbes and Ad Age about uh, and uh, and other blogs about how much more money is made by Apple developers, even though slightly more apps are sold on the Google Play, formerly Android Marketplace. Yeah, a few months ago, all the, the, the noise was around, hey, this summer, Android is going to surpass iOS and total app downloads, you know, and that happened, and we got all, all the noise around that, and now things have settled down a little bit, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, but iOS is still making all the money, so... Yeah, there's statistics like 96% of Google Play's top 100 apps are free. They're free. Um, they need to make... Just because they're free to download doesn't mean that they're not making money off of them. Lots of them have uh, in-app purchases or advertising. I would say more have advertising, and that's where they're making their money. Yeah, and studies... Um, there's a study out, and we'll link to all this sort of stuff on the on the blog post that accompanies this. Forbes has an article saying roughly Apple developers and Apple apps make ten times as much as apps on the Google Play Store. And th- this is the part about the KitKat thing. I just don't think it helps Google at all positioning themselves as more 
freebie, low-cost consumery from a perception standpoint. I do think that the the apps that they're comparing, it's comparing apples to oranges a little bit because iOS apps, they could have been downloaded three years ago, and if it's a free app, if it's a cheap app, if it has advertising, they've been getting advertisement in that for the three years, whereas Google's downloads are more recent, so they would have uh, accumulated fewer impressions of ads. Yep. And over the long stretch, Google could catch up when you're talking about just in-app advertisements. Um, it's true, which is how much money do you, are you really going to make off these? Like, Even the New York Times app, which we must mention in every podcast, yes. has the most low... The ads have become so low rent. It's like that belly dancing Obama is going to pay for your home. <laughs> right, woman. lower your, your uh, mortgage rate. Yeah. I see. Is that the best app you can get? Is that the best ad you can get for... For one of the most widely deployed apps out there. I don't know why we can't figure out advertising. It boggles my mind. It's So, and there's there are stats out there, we'll link to this study also, saying that uh, about a third, oh, sorry, about a half of apps on every marketplace are dead. Meaning they're not being updated, you know, and especially when iOS 7 comes out, they may not work at all. They're just I, simply technical debt. I could see that. I could see that. When, when you if you're not getting downloads, are you gonna update your fo- your app? Are you gonna keep things you know going with it? You're just gonna cut and move. Yeah, it's and for developers, there's some non-trivial updates that have to be done for iOS seven. Yeah, no. As anyone who has downloaded the uh, beta of iOS seven on their phone and pulled up different apps, you can see the design patterns have changed and things are a little bit different and you it looks out of place when you don't update for the the new look yeah i i installed ios 7 on my old phone about a month ago and everything stopped working so i did not do it on my production phone so i guess next week we will all be doing that and purportedly apps have been updated but we'll see yeah uh, all the major apps will work um and uh google marketplace also isn't as widely distributed like they're they're just now in Iran. Uh, Apple has a big head start, so I guess apps can be more widely distributed. But I don't know that anyone has figured out. Maybe it's just because the phones are the people who buy Android phones are more price conscious, and so they are more more price conscious when it comes to buying apps. I think so. I think. I mean, I feel like I always make this argument, but uh, Apple phones previously been very very expensive uh you know a hundred dollars two hundred dollars and android phones were available for free with a contract well what does that mean for uh, for a one dollar app it's just a mentality it's just a mentality and i think apple i mean uh that's changed now apple gives away phones with contract my my mom just got an iphone 4 free with her new contract interesting um so that's definitely changed and and They've been in the marketplace long enough that they can span huge... They can get people that go out on in a week and buy the brand new phone. They can also get my mom, who updates her phone every four years, to get one. So they've, they've spanned it, but they still have that share of people that are going to spend money. People are used to spending money in the app store. Yep. After, it, after you buy your first app, it gets easier because your credit card information and everything's in there, and it's a lot easier to continue buying apps. Yes. 
as as easy as it is to do anything on Android, but it is not quite as smooth. And until 2009, you couldn't buy paid apps at all. You know, remember uh, the Android marketplace started out as a free only marketplace. Not too much unlike iOS, who or the original Apple, they said just make web apps, just make web apps. That's true. Yeah, that is true. Um, so wearable computing. Just yes. a bit. It's you can't have a mobile podcast and not mention this Samsung Watch. Especially with yeah, with the announcement yesterday, they undercut <laughs> Apple announcement, which is September tenth for their watch. Uh, for the next whatever they're going to oh, announce. Oh yeah, yeah, for iOS seven. It's yes. good. Yeah, iOS seven, five S. Five S and five C. Right. The that color phone. The, the rumors. Which, by the way, if you look at the link in our the link in our podcast, the five C looks stunningly like the Nokia N9 that people lined up for two years ago in Europe before Microsoft destroyed it. Because it's neon is what you're saying. Yeah, it has that same colored back, but the way the color back like folds into the semi-wraparound front screen, it looks very, very similar. Apple is going all neon. They, it's the 90s, man. The ni- it's the, the, We're now getting nostalgic and retro for the 90s. Yes, nostalgic enough to have Dick Tracy watch that you have to hold up to your mouth the side of the watch you to have talk to. into it. Yeah, you have to because how else are people going to know that you're talking on your watch? And you know people are answering because those Dick Tracy yellow lightning bolts start coming out. Not yet. Not the, yet. Version two point um, So Apple is going to have a watch. A watch at some point. What is it's the rumor? It's what's rumor the that Apple is going to have watch? a watch. It's rumor that everyone's going to have a watch. Uh, what is? What is the use of having this watch? I don't know. We should talk to David because he has the Pebble watch. Okay. Um, what? How would I use it? I probably wouldn't. It would be dead all the time because you have to. It's just one more device to charge. Yep. But I mean, what are the benefits of it? I can see the benefits. If I get an email and a notification, I can just look at my wrist and see something that would be useful. If a phone call is coming in, I can just look at my wrist and see who's calling me. That would be useful. That way I don't have to pull out my phone. It might be useful socially. If you uh, ever, there's this viral video, I hate using that term, but there's a video that has like 20 plus million viral. views in the past three weeks. Anyone who creates content hates the word viral. It's because true. There's this, hey, just make it go viral. It also sounds like something bad has happened. I know, I don't want viral. Viral sounds like right, I sorry. need to go to the doctor. There's a highly popular video going around YouTube called I Forgot My Phone. Just go on YouTube and search for it. And it is about people that may be sort of a backlash of everyone pulling out their large, square, glowing mobile device all the time. Yeah. It could be that the watch is a social answer to try to address that. Uh, you know, I can see it. I mean, I ride the... Muni in in the morning, and I look down the row of seats, and everyone has their phone out. And yes, not just on Muni, which it's sort of legitimate to do, but in all social situations. I guess so. I think people are self-conscious. I think people are conscious of that, but not self-conscious that they do it because when they're on their phone, they're doing something important, and when they have their phone in their pocket, and they're looking around, and everyone else, they're like, "Oh, these people always on their phone. What are they doing? <laughs> oh, you have to check Twitter at 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 lunch." Meanwhile, like a second ago, they were on Facebook. But so. c- clearly in San Francisco, there's one group, an unfortunately growing group of people who are not embarrassed to have their device out at all times, and that is the 
large and larger and larger number of people in the city who are running around town on weekends and all the time with Google Glass on. It's it's ridiculous, and I love Google Glass. I think it's awesome thing for Google to be testing out. Google tests out amazing things. I walked by one of their self-driving cars in Presidio over the weekend. Oh, really? It's, yeah, it's cool testing. Was there a human in it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. He it just was, wasn't was driving. In, he was in the driver's seat but not driving. Right. Okay. Because they have to be able to take over control in case. And he was just sitting <laughs> in traffic, actually. But I walked in front of it so that I could say that, you know, Google car did not run me over. <laughs> there was, I was at a restaurant this past Sunday, really nice restaurants, beautiful day out, like people are just sort of relaxing. And there's this couple, looks like they just started dating because they're a little bit awkward, but the guy is wearing Google Glass during this whole like brunch well, That'll date. make it more awkward. Is so annoying, and he would look <laughs> over at us, and you're terrified of him because he may be recording you. I, I just don't understand how this thing is going to work. I like to think about him getting ready for this this date or whatever it was, and he was like, you know, getting already, and he was like, well, I have to wear the Google Glass. That's going to impress her. She's going to love this. It's weird when you see people on Google Glass. Like, it's. I like the idea. If like someone. I'm walking through San Francisco. I never know where I'm going. If I can have a heads-up display that is like giving me directions, awesome. That's a super practical use for, for Google Glass. Sitting at brunch and wearing it seems ridiculous. Yes, and also walking around San Francisco looking like a fool is a drawback of maybe you'll know where you're going, but everyone will be staring at you saying, what a fool. Yeah... I mean, that's Except what we're Google saying employees. now. There's that's a what critical we're saying number now. Of, what? That's what we're saying now. It's true. They may already be saying that. I'm not sure. Anyway, I, I don't understand the watch I can get because you it's not in your face, literally. But wearable computing that's in your face, when you see it in practice, it just seems impossible. I feel like socially, the glasses could be better than the watch. When people are just immune to the fact that you're wearing... When it becomes normal, when it looks less... When they build... this, they have, It's just a prototype now. It's not like this is a wide release. Yes. That, the, if it ever comes out... It has a very Robo-Borg kind right. of look. If it ever comes out like as a consumer product, it's going to look better. It's going to be more streamlined. It's going to be less noticeable. People wearing it. And then... You're Maybe. not going to have to be looking down at your phone all the time. I feel like looking down at your watch is only slightly better than pulling, looking down at your phone. Pulling yeah, your phone looking at your watch is a whole different connotation. Like, is this over yet? Right. <laughs> That's so. If you have the heads-up display, it only sends you a notification when, when you know you need it. Then yeah. fine. But you probably don't need it during <clears throat> brunch. So in that vein, since we have been talking about apps. Uh, I guess in early 2014, Google has promised an app marketplace specifically for Google Glass so that you can, and it, it is sort of frightening to me what kind of apps will be written for this. Yeah. I don't know. It's not, I don't think it's any more frightening than so we, people we would are have, afraid of, if people are afraid of every new technology. But at that point, we will have an app marketplace for iOS will have a different app marketplace for Google Play. We will have one for uh, Google Glass. And then Fire, the new Firefox phone, which we love, will have its own Firefox marketplace. I don't think that it will be separate from Google Play. It'll probably be like how iOS deals with iPhone and iPad. It's just yeah, a different section of Google Play. It, they have announced it as the Google Glass marketplace, so we'll see. Yeah. 
But even if all Google's marketplaces are united, there are still maybe six, seven, eight major app marketplaces if you count like China having its own marketplace for its apps to combat uh, piracy. So app developers, like cross-platform now, which, which is supposedly a duopoly, as we've talked about, is going, you're going to have to deploy to like eight or nine different marketplaces. Yeah, but it's all right if it's if you're building a different experience. Like, obviously, you're not putting the same app on Google Glass as you are on an Android device. So it's a different experience. So yeah. I understand the different app store. Um, so what about, like, Firefox app? Versus, say you have the same app on Firefox, on iOS, on, on Google's Marketplace, this might mean HTML5 is going to be just the answer for everybody as people give up trying to do different silos. If you want to do reusable content, it's always there's always going to be trade-offs and pros and cons. And if you want to do completely reusable, yeah, go web. And that's obviously Firefox wants you to do that because they're giving free phones for to people who yes. build the I'll, web app. For developers, if you now, I don't think you have to write the app. If you say you're working on the app and they send you a phone. Yeah, if you have one live, I think. Mm -hmm. So. Oh, you have an app live in some other marketplace? An app live that is a web app. Okay, then they're like, here's a phone, put it in our marketplace. Right. Yeah, it's pretty smart. There's been a, a few emails around the office like... That was my phone ring. We're in my office. We'll edit that in and post. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, hey, so we should wrap this up. Uh, it's It's been great talking about uh, This Week in Mobile. Thank you very much to our new listeners. Uh, more in Canada, Quebec. Uh, we, we do not yet plan a French language podcast, but it could happen someday. You would just be going on and on in French, and I would be looking confused. Oh, that I, we have to make sure that doesn't happen in either language podcast. Uh, so please keep um, emails coming. It's landscape mode at moveweb.com. That's right. And Justin is preparing a blog post that summarizes all the links and such that we've been talking That's about. Right. Links in the show notes. Yep. Um, and uh, upcoming, we have an upcoming uh, podcast dedicated solely to wearable computing and marketplaces and marketplaces that are serving it. So send your suggestions for that podcast to the same email. That's right. Um, so for this week, I'm Mike DiLorenzo. I'm Justin McGann. Thank you, and uh, next time on Landscape Mode. Move on Skittles.